this? All right. I'm Stella. I'm a senior at Alatuna. I'm Harrison. I'm a senior at Harrison High School. I'm Peyton. <laughs> I'm Peyton. I'm a senior at Alatuna. All right, so tonight we're the speakers for Senior Night. Um, we're currently walking through our series, God Got Me, where we're just walking through Psalm 23 and finding God's heart for us in Psalm 23. So, Peyton Harrison, well, actually, before we jump in, I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll get started. Dear Lord, I just thank you for this night, and everyone who's just involved in putting it together, God, would you help us to just put ourselves out of the way, and um, would you just speak through us, and just open everyone's hearts to your word, and it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 All right, so we are starting in verse 3 tonight, um, so I'm going to go ahead and read verse 3 for us. It's Psalm 23, 3, if you want to open your Bibles. It says, he renews my strength, he guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. So tonight how it's going to work is each of us have a little part of that verse that we're just going to break down for you. So I'm going to start off, um, like I said, the verse starts with, he renews my strength, but then I decided that I wanted to look at it in some different like translations of the Bible. So it's, he renews my strength in one version, in another version it says, he refreshes my soul, and then the translation that I'm going to focus on tonight is, he restores my soul. So in this verse, um, God is the one who is restoring David's soul, um, and David is kind of explaining how his relationship and trust with God is in the verse. So, to restore means to return, bring back, repent, or to go back to where it once was. So in this verse, David is describing himself as a sheep. In the passage, David's describing himself as a sheep. And he's telling us that there are so many times that he's gone astray from God, from his shepherd. Um, he's been stressed, worried, overwhelmed, frustrated. Things that we all feel on a daily basis in high school. Um, just times where his soul is not at rest. But the Lord brings him back each time. And so that's kind of what he's talking about here. And God is in the business of restoration of our lives. Um, he loves us so much that he wants to restore our lives and wants to guide us back along his paths. Um, so in the verse, it has, like I said, the sheep and the shepherd. Um, and, the and the relationship of the sheep and the shepherd. So obviously, you have your um, herd of sheep, and there's a shepherd that is guiding them through and following them. So in our lives, it's kind of like we are the sheep, and the Lord is our shepherd, and we're guiding, or he is guiding us along his right paths. So, in preparation for this message, not only did I read the passage and study it, but I also did a little research on sheep, um, and finding out more about what they're like. So, I found out four things of when sheep need restored from the shepherd, um, and I'm going to walk you through those. So, point number one is... Sheep need restored from their shepherd when they are lost or when they wander off. Um, and this is a lot like, you'll find that all these points are a lot like us. Um, he's a good shepherd, just like the sheep, they have a good shepherd who they're so used to following. But every once in a while, we get distracted and we stray off from our shepherd. And we do the same thing with the Lord, is that we are following along his paths. But every once in a while, we wander off and he just guides us right on back. Um, and point number two is when they're alone. So... When sheep get left in the wild, they have like a little mini panic moment. You could call it like a panic attack. And they start like screaming, like the sheep scream. Um, and it's actually, I found out it's called bleeding. Like not bleeding, like blood bleeding, but like bleeding. I don't know. Um, 
but they make this like sound and that lets the predators know that they are like in danger, that they need help or that they're like alone. And so obviously if you're a predator, you're gonna take that time and you're gonna go after that sheep because you want something to eat. You're gonna, you know, they're alone, they're vulnerable and you're gonna go after them. And so I thought that this was a lot like us when we got, or when we um, stray away from God, um, that's when the enemy comes towards us and he feeds us those lies and he just gets in our heads and that's when we, when we're alone, we just stay like where the enemy is able to come after us and attack us. And so um, when they make the sounds, the predators know they're alone and that's a good representation of what we do. We should call out to God. Um, the shepherd, because of that noise, the shepherd knows that their sheep is in trouble. Um, and when we are away from God, we can call out to him and he would know we can come back to him. So, and then point number three is when they're hurt. So, like I said, when they're alone, the enemy comes after them and hurts them and attacks them. And when we aren't walking closely with the Lord, that is a breeding ground for Satan to come in and destroy our lives. Um, but God will pick us up, turn us around, and take us from that hurt to healing um, and make us whole again. So he guides us when we are hurt. And then when things in life feel messy or there's change, God brings us back and restores us. Instead of condemnation, instead of condemnation, he brings repentance back to our lives. And like I said earlier, he loves us so much that he wants to bring repentance back to us. And it's a gift. Repentance is a gift that puts us back in his presence. So the fourth one, and I think we have a picture of the fourth one, is when they are cast. And when a sheep is cast, it means that they have fallen over on their side and they cannot get up. <laughs> so this is a cast sheep. Uh, like I said, found out a lot about sheep in this couple weeks. Um, but this is a cast sheep. And so because, because it doesn't have arms or anything, it can't like, I'm, <laughs> I'm just picturing a sheep with arms. Um, <laughs> Um, when, why do I feel like I'm okay. when they're weak, they don't have a way to like get back on their feet. And I feel like so often that's us. We are dragged down by the devil. We're dragged down by the enemy and the lies of the world. And we don't have anything to pull us back. When we're not walking with the Lord, we don't have anything to get back on our feet and to keep on walking. But the Lord calls us to that. He calls us to walk with him and he picks us back up and puts us on our feet and lets him, or and keeps us walking. Um, so if the shepherd doesn't come and pick them up immediately, they'll die, like I said. And so Jesus is our shepherd, and he runs back to us, rescues us, or restores us, and um, back to good health. And I don't know about you guys, but this reminds me of, like, the, the parable of um, him leaving the 99 to find the one. Like, he's going to come back running for us to restore our souls. So um, an example in David's life is from Psalm 51, and I'm not going to read all of Psalm 51. I don't know if you would want to read that in your quiet time this week, um, but in, verse, or in Psalm 51, David's confessing his sins to God, and he's just holding nothing back from God. Um, so I'm going to read uh, verses 10 through 12, and it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey. And so in these verses, David is just asking God to restore him. And I do want to point something out is it says, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. 
obviously the Lord would not do that to us, but David is so distraught and so like just begging God for to restore him and to bring him back to life, that he's just like worried. And that is his like plea and cry out to God. Um, so in these, he's asking the Lord to restore him, restore him and give him joy again. So something important from there is he restores and renews us through repentance, not just when we feel overwhelmed, but also in moments when we feel like we failed. Um, the Lord is our shepherd. He restores us back to good spiritual health after the world has hurt us or when we have hurt ourselves by letting things get in the way of our relationship with God. So we experience more of the heart of the Father when he restores our soul. Oh, yeah, clap it up, clap it up, clap it up. Good stuff, good stuff. All right, so I have the second part of this verse, which is going to be, um, he leads me in paths of righteousness. And while I was diving into this first week, this week, one thing that I really got from that was um, that trusting God is not guaranteed to be easy, but it is guaranteed to work. All right, so let me ask you a question. If you had to put all your money on a bet, everything you own, right, would you bet on something that was guaranteed to hit, or would you bet on something that may or may not hit, right? Well, obviously, we would all bet on the, on the one that we know for sure will hit because we want to get our money back. That's how, that's how that works. Um, here, God is promising to guide us on the right paths. And one thing you can always bet on is God keeping his promises. Um, you know, it's like, that's kind of his own thing. Um, so if you're uneasy about the future or you're unsure of what's to come, you can always have full faith that God will keep his promise and will put you where you need to be. Uh, it can be hard to do. It's, it's not impossible. It can be hard, though. But God never promises to work on your schedule or give you everything you want, but he does promise to make it work. Um, just for example, you can look at Noah and the flood, right? That guy had never seen Raiden before. So when God was like, hey, I'm going to make water come from the clouds over everything, and you're going to build a big boat, take a bunch of animals on it, and then just like chill there for 40 days and 40 nights. I mean, that, that is a next level of faith, right? Um, but in the end for Noah, it all worked out. His family was safe, and he was alive. Um, same thing, Israelites in Egypt, they had no idea where they were going. They're just in the wilderness for 40 years. Like, God's asking you to give them faith for like 10 minutes. They were there for 40 years. Um, that's just the next level of faith that God's asking of us. Um, Oh, yeah, okay. And then beyond that, um, so there's, that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of cases of that in the Bible. It's full of people um, trusting in God and then it paying off in the end, um, and which is what this verse is all about. It's all about giving God your trust and trusting him with the outcome. So as Christians, we can read this and be very relieved because we know as a core pillar of our faith that God will keep his promises to us. Um, we know that if we stay steadfast in prayer and keep our ears open and listen to him, then God, then God will get you. Um, we know that no matter what comes next, God will make a path for us. But some of us in this room, right, some of us may not be Christians, that, that core belief that God will keep his promises is not something central to you. So that might sound like a bunch of religious, you know, mumbo-jumbo to you, just words on a screen. Um, so I'm going to take a little bit different approach to this, right? So if you don't believe that God can exist or move, then these verses, like I said, might mean nothing to you. It might be illogical to you. Um, and I get that. I'm a very logical thinking person, so that's something I wrestle with for a long time as well. So what do you do when you have a problem, right? We all try to fix it. We all like fixing problems. Um, so, well, a lot of times when you try, you try different things until you find what works. That's logical. A problem a lot of us have, seniors especially, um, is uncertainty in the future. Where are you going to go to college? What are you going to do tomorrow? All of that. Um, we may feel a lack of purpose. Whatever it is, we all have a problem that gives us trouble seeing the path that God has laid out ahead of us. Um, so what do we want to do in those problems? Like I said, we want to fix it. So what do we try and do to fix it? Well, some of us, we try a lot of earthly things. Maybe we think, if I just have a relationship with this person, or if I just do this one more time, then that will fill me. That will give me purpose. Um, but at the end of the night, you know, when you're laying on your bed and you're thinking to yourself, 
um, that you still have those problems, you might still feel empty, you don't feel full. Um, those things didn't work for you. So point number two that I really wanted to get across is um, if you're willing to try anything, try God. Um, where am I, where am I? Oh yeah, here we go, here we go, here we go, okay. Uh, so yeah, as the verse says, he restores our soul, which means to take us where we wanna be and make us who we wanna be. The problem with that is that those things are, oh, my bad, my bad. The problem, the problem with the worldly things that we try to fill with is that those things never promised to restore our soul or take us where we need to be, but that's the difference. God did promise that. And when we try to use these things, they don't fill us. And if you're in this room and you feel lost or unguided and you tried everything, try God. There is, um, there's no downsides. It is, it is proven to work. Um, the same way you try to fill it with that girlfriend or that substance or the validation of others, whatever it is, um, like I said, you figure out those things don't work. So that, um, hold on, hold on. Okay, good looks, good looks. Um, so yeah, there's no reason not to trust God. If you're willing to try anything else for guidance or purpose, the best thing you can do is to trust in God for guidance and purpose. Like I said, there's no downsides. Um, and then finally, I'm gonna touch on a little bit what Stella said, because I thought this was what I was reading for this week, but she covered it pretty well. Um, so part number three of this verse is he restores my soul. And this is the part that had the biggest impact on me. See, God isn't just saying he's going to give you a path and it's up to you to walk it. He also promises to put you back whenever you veer off. Like I said earlier, um, being a Christian doesn't mean that your life is gonna be in walk in the park, but it does mean that after you're saved, oh, bro, hold on, hold on, okay. What it does mean is that you have God to fall back on. Whereas if before you fell, you can only pull yourself back up. And a lot of times, speaking from experience, we're not strong enough to stay on the path on our own. A lot of times what we should do a lot of times, what we know we should do, we do, we willfully to choose, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. We willfully choose to do the other thing. Reason being, it's just a lot easier to trust in ourselves than it is God. Um, so when sin encroaches on your mind, it is infinitely easier to give in than it is to fight it. But in the long run, that sin only leads to more sin. And then what was a small problem can grow into a massive problem that will get you farther and farther off the path that God has laid down for you. So here's a quote, every journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. Very inspiring quote, I'm sure we've all heard that. Um, but the thing is, it works both ways. See, the first step in your faith journey is a very small one. Just read the word a little bit, pray a little bit here and there. Um, but eventually that snowballs into a life of living on mission delivered for him. But on the other side of that, you might take a small step off the path. It's just one thing here or there. It, you might think it doesn't matter. But eventually, before you know it, you are farther off the path than you ever thought you would be. And you think to yourself, how did I end up here? And of course, the best path of action, the best path of action would have been to never go off the path in the beginning. But for when we do, Jesus tells us that he is there. Um, and like kind of touching on what Stella said, this line did remind me of the story of the sheep. Um, and for anyone who hasn't heard, well, I guess you have heard it. Uh, so one of them wanders off in the wilderness and instead of letting them go because it's only one sheep, he leaves the 99 to come to the help of the sheep. And of course, this story, the, shepherd, the Lord is the shepherd and we are the sheep. This verse kind of parallels that. See, Jesus knows that we're not gonna be perfect. He's not asking you to be perfect. Um, he knows that we're gonna fall, so we're gonna fall off the path a little bit, and that's why he promises to help us back on the path. If you think you're too far gone, you're, you are never too far gone. Jesus will always promise to bring you back on the path. Um, so just because, um, so yeah, just because you falter once or you do something one time does not mean that you're too far gone. God can always rescue you. He will always put a path before you. So to sum it up, I'll leave you with this. Uh, just trust God. Ask for a path, and when he provides it, stay on it. When you fall off, reach out for help. We know that God loves us, and he guides us, and God's got you. And finally, 
Um, Peyton right here is going to talk about the last part of that verse. Hey guys, I'm, I'm Peyton. Um, and so, like Harrison said, I'm going to talk about the third part of the verse, which is bringing honor to his name. And so my message is kind of set up a little bit differently than theirs. I just want to go through a couple of stories of how God has been good in my life and how he has just used every moment of like pain or just anxiety or uncomfortableness to bring him glory. Oh, there's a lot of people. Hey, guys. Um, okay. And so just to kind of start off, um, I would say by now I can say that I've grown up in church because I've gone to church for like five years now. But when I was younger, I wasn't raised going to church. And so for a while, I kind of felt like I was on my own in my walk with Christ. Um, and during the beginning of my walk with Christ, I struggled a lot with anxiety. And I wanted everyone to think that I was this, like, bubbly, happy girl, like, you know, the, the perfect girl. Like, I didn't want anyone to know that I was struggling, and so I hid it from everyone that cared about me. I hid it from my family and my friends. Guys, don't do that. It's not good. But I did that um, for about two years until one day. It was the first day going back to school after quarantine, and I didn't have my school supplies, and I had a full-on panic attack in front of my family. And so <laughs> that kind of um, hinted towards maybe something was going on. Um, and so I begged God for years to just heal me of this anxiety um, and to take it away from me. But it wasn't until that my anxiety was brought out into the light that I then found healing. And I truly believe that that is because the Lord wanted my family to be able to witness what he was doing in my life and to be able to witness the healing that he can bring so that it can bring him glory. Um, so then I'll kind of fast forwarding to this past summer. I don't know if y'all know what the governor's honors program is, but, um, I qualified as a finalist. It's this like prestigious summer program, um, <laughs> that I don't necessarily feel like I was qualified for. I messed up a lot in my interviews and I was up to like 4am writing my applications because I procrastinated. So I like, I can guarantee you it was God's will that I got in because it definitely was not my own doing. Um, and so I was really excited to go to this camp. I went as a communicative arts major. So basically I went to write essays for the entire summer. So, so fun. Um, um, <laughs> and so I was really excited to be amongst people who had similar interests in me and like who loved to read literature. Um, but basically, every kid who got in thought they were better than you and smarter than you, and they were going to prove to you that they were smarter than you. Um, and they wanted to prove to our professors that they were, like, the end-all, be-all. Like, if you ask any kid there where they're going to school, it was either an Ivy, school, Ivy League school or, like, an Ivy Plus. And so I just felt really out of place. Um, and also, like, the topic of everyone's writing, like, we had to write a lot of essays. The topic of everyone's writing was Christianity, but kind of, like, how they hate Christianity and how they think Christians are terrible and like their bad relationships with um, just people in the church. And so I felt really out of my comfort zone and normally I'm able to make friends pretty easily, but it was a rough four weeks for me. Um, and so that anxiety that I'd felt in middle school that I thought I was healed from started to creep back in. Of course, naturally when I was pulled away from everything that I knew, you know, I was just in a dorm room by myself I didn't have my community, um, so I would still call and text my 
text Stella in my group. Um, but it was a struggle. And so I just was praying to God. I was like, why is this coming back? Like, I can't, I don't want to go through that again. Um, and so it was a, it was a trialing time, but um, the Lord just kept providing opportunities for me to be able to glorify him through my pain. And so literally the first week, the first Friday, I had an essay due, and it was on, I had to write about something that I find beautiful. And so I was like, all right, Jesus, let's write about you. And so I wrote an essay about why I find Jesus beautiful. And my professor said that we were all going to share our essays that day. So I was like, okay, well, if everyone's sharing, like, it's just one in, like, the 12 essays we're going to hear. Then we get to class on Friday, and my professor says that we don't have enough time for everybody to share, so who wants to volunteer? And so I was like, okay, Jesus, like, great, here we go. So I raised my hand because... I mean, I knew I wasn't really, I didn't feel qualified to be at this camp, so I knew I was there for a reason, so I was like, YOLO. (laughs) Um, And so I read this essay to a class full of people who don't love Jesus and who are actually really against it, and yeah, it was just like, I love the Lord. (laughs) And you're supposed to ask questions, it was like a Socratic seminar, so you're supposed to ask questions at the end. Um, It was dead silent, (laughs) so it was, you know what? It brought glory to the Lord, and that's what we're here to do. And so also at the end of camp, I had met this girl named Libby, and she told me, she just came up to me at the end, and she said that she was great, really grateful she got to meet me because she had never met a Christian who hadn't judged her or felt like she was they were forcing their faith onto her. And so I'm just really grateful that, like, even though I was still really struggling and it was literally the hardest four weeks of my life, that, like, my pain was able to be used for God's glory. Um, So, hold on. Um, While I was at camp, too, um, so I always, something I got into, like, a practice of three years ago was just doing Bible study every morning. I just set my alarm, like, 20 minutes earlier than I normally would. And I get up and I write a prayer to the Lord and I read one chapter. And I found it easiest to read Psalms just because there's less, like, deciphering you have to do in Psalms and, like, background knowledge. And so I um, even found it hard to keep reading a new chapter of Psalms every day. I just felt drained. And so I just picked one um, chapter in Psalms and I read it every day for four weeks. And it just happened to be Psalms chapter 23. And so... I think it's really great that I get to be up here speaking about it today. Um, so though that was a really hard time in my life, I'm so grateful for it. And God is good, and he always has a plan for you. Like, no matter what you are going through, he has a plan for your life. And um, he can, and he desires to use your pain for his glory. Um, I just want to read Romans 8:28 really quickly. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So not only does God want us to bring him glory, but when we are suffering, he can and will use those situations for our good in his glory. Um, so why, why does it matter that we should bring glory to his name? Like, we could just be selfish and be like, we're doing all of this and like, I'm so smart. I could have been like, I'm so smart and sucked up to the teachers like everyone else did, and I'm just better than everyone. But it's not true. And um, so why is it important to bring glory to his name? Our purpose and the reason we were created is to bring him glory. 
Like, that is the reason we are here. He deserves all of the glory. Like, I don't think we are able to bring him enough glory that he, like, deserves. Um, And also, we should just be grateful that, like, God chooses to use us for his glory because we are not perfect, but he desires to use you for his glory. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So just kind of to wrap up what we've all talked about tonight, um, oh, sorry, Um, that the Lord renews our strength through repentance, like Stella said. Now, he doesn't only renew your strength when you're having a hard time, but he renews your strength when you are just stuck in sin and you don't even realize it. But when he convicts you of that, he doesn't bring condemnation, but he brings repentance. And so just kind of an analogy I was thinking about is if you were drowning and you're just stuck under the water and someone reaches their hand out to you, like, are you not going to grab their hand? So if you're drowning in sin and the Lord, he is always reaching his hand out to you, grab his hand and get out of the water. Like, don't stay in the water and don't go back to it. Um, And then like Harrison said, the Lord will always guide our paths as long as we abide in him. So like you're saying with seniors, I know a lot of college applications are due today for early action. Whether you actually ended up submitting them or not, or writing the essays or not, like the Lord will bring you where you need to go. And maybe you're not called to a certain college, but no matter what your calling is to share the gospel and to bring him glory in all that we do. So thanks for listening to us tonight. So we are able to experience God's heart for us when he restores us, when he guides us, and when he leads us to bring honor to his name. So I just want to close in prayer really quickly. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for every person who is in this room tonight. I pray that you will use the words we have spoken tonight to impact at least one person's eternity. Lord, Please be with us as we go throughout our week and remind us to trust in you. Please make our path straight and continue to renew our faith in you. May we bring you all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.